Welcome. We're back in a new year and we have some predictions this time where we have readings of the signs that are out there on the internet. In other words, we're doing a meme review for tonight. Welcome to the Mosaic Arc. Are we ready? Are we ready to do like 2024? I, it's like, you, you notice I'm, I'm in my, I'm, I'm in my fortune telling outfit. Right. So I have my, I have the, the crystal ball, which, which we're thinking about all the time. Right. In, in, in yes, yeah. because in act two, there's a, a, a crystal temptation sitting there on the on the on the table during the tea party and you guys were we're getting to the we're getting to the drama we've we've got all of the backstory of all of the characters written and now we're we're about to set them up so well we don't know yet no i mean <laughs> we need we need some help getting the 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 energy up right i i you know i've i've got to get back to fencing in 2024 i mean i have i've been a, a pudding for way too long. The COVID is over long ago. Everybody's forgot about it. Mm -hmm. We can't even, except for my entire family apparently tested positive for it over the Christmas. I, I don't test. I don't do that. So I have no idea what I had. I just was sick. <laughs> I can, I, maybe I can ask. I'm the sorry. Crystal you ball, right? <laughs> what did I have? The, uh, I, I'm, I'm not asking. Yeah. Those tests. Who knows what those tests are going to tell you, right? They're, 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 they're trying to make you feel like, You've got something uncertain of it. Yeah. That's well, how depends suspicious on who, I am. <laughs> uh, I mean, the tests became not just COVID tests, but COVID and influenza tests in Australia. Mm. They were actually rebranded as COVID and influenza tests. So it just means you're sick. And a lot of... Basically, yeah, it just means you have the flu. And the public health officials here were saying it's it's almost impossible to tell the difference between COVID and influenza. So just assume you have COVID. I mean, they've said it. <laughs> I it's, no. it's the flu. No, it's the flu, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's the flu. And, yeah. and so whatever I had, it lasted for weeks and weeks and weeks. You all know that I've been, you know, struggling with my voice since... Mm -hmm. I think since Hans was on, <laughs> for sure, mm. right? Uh, so whatever I had, but yeah. it, did, it didn't fit the symptoms of what everybody else had. It was a little different, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, it's the, you know, it's seasonal for sure. F the mm. flu, 
Right. Yeah. So. Yes. We're here tonight Except for to, to give the years of 2020 and 2021 <laughs> when it mysteriously vanished. Indeed. Indeed. Mysteriously. And and I'm I'm back in in my cycle of teaching, right? I'm I'm back now to, this year teaching my history of European civilization section and the deja vu is constant, right? Because I do it every other year, so it's like I'm remembering when I was teaching it in 2020 and the world was ending. And then it didn't end, but it, mm. but it did go into the sort of French Revolution terror moment. And now we've come out out of it, and everyone's too calm, I think. <laughs> I, I think I think we need to rile them up why. a bit tonight. Or at least I want to. I I've, I've got to get yeah. my my fight in, because drama depends on it. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be able to hit people soon. So. <laughs> I mean, just for practice, a, right? You know, it's like yeah. the, the, the drama. So one of the things that happened, if any of the guys are watching tonight, um, my class is mainly men in, in Eurosiv to this this year. It's 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 quite interesting, right? Um, uh, but wait, now I forgot what I was think, thinking. I was thinking, of, I was thinking about all my all the all the young men in my class and how much they want to learn history. Um, that, I mean, one of the things I recognize in teaching the, teaching the course is you need to be able to reactivate whatever it was that was animating people in, in the time. And sometimes that's really hard. It's, it's, it's actually mm. really hard to remember, to understand why the Schleswig Holstein question was a question. See, nobody knows, right? Apparently, it was a big, it was a big deal in the night. I've been I've been reading a book about Germany, Germania, right? The German speaking world, and 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 it didn't really completely explain the Schleswig Holstein question, but it has to do with Germany trying to get a port on the, the North Sea as opposed to on the Baltic, which getting that port mm. on the North Sea was unfortunately a very bad thing for them because then it meant that they in effect challenged the British with whom they were basically cousins because like the royal family had been intermarrying all these these generations, the Hanovers, right? Or the Saxe-Coburg-Gothas or whatever they are. Now they call themselves Windsors. And in creating for themselves yes. this completely terrible port at Wilhelmshaven, they then basically poke the, the, the dominance that the British have, have felt they deserve being the, you know, the, the, the empire on which the sun never sets and cue world war one. And then the, mm -hmm. the after effects of world war one, world war two, <laughs> the after effects with which we still live. Right. And it was interesting trying to get the energy up to get the class to be in a, in a situation where they realized what was at stake. And then I realized I wasn't able to do it either. So I asked you for help. You gave me some memes to talk about. <laughs> let kilts do it. Do what she did. She's a, she wants people arguing. I do. Help. It shows what you really care about, what you value, right? To be able to argue. How many of you all had fights at Christmas with your families? Oh, crickets i'm shit <laughs> and then you realize most of the time the fights that you have with your family yeah. typically at christmas are 
you know, they're embedded in so many layers of previous story that to explain it to anybody outside of what's going on in the family, it sounds totally insane. You got in a fight over mm. what? <laughs> the shower, yes, you know, or or whether or not we should have cookies again, or, you know, what happened to... It's, it's, it's so interesting that so much of history seems to depend on such in retrospect, nonsense disagreements. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the facts are nonsense, but the uh, the heightened emotion tends to hide the nonsense of the of the disagreements, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Which may may be why it's so difficult to explain the conflicts of German Germany versus Great Britain, because <laughs> it's hard to plug into those emotions when you're not connected to it. Exactly. The, the yeah, yeah, it is. It's like a it's like explaining an argument that you had in high school, twenty five years later, trying to. <laughs> exactly, and all of those emotions bring everybody back into it. Everything seems petty. All of those emotions are absolutely yeah. real, and I and and the thing is, I do think. Mm -hmm. I can play devil's. I'll just play devil's advocate with myself, seeing as I can't get any. I can't even get myself upset. It's too. I'm too calm. <laughs> we made it home on the Route 66 drive, and it was cloudy, so we didn't have like get blinded by the sun or anything. And now I'm home, and I, you know, I feel like a pudding. You're fudge. You're fudge calm I'm now. <laughs> too much fudge, right? But but the thing is, the emotions are real, and they do tend to signal actual mm -hmm. conflict. Right. Even even if the premise, yeah. even if the, the, the sort of problem that is being apparently the trigger, the dynamic is real for sure. Mm. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Well, uh... <laughs> I've triggered everybody into complete silence because they're all review now reviewing the debates. <laughs> well, we're all thinking about who we're yelling at us. <laughs> the 25th of december <laughs> um <laughs> over uh, what right and over things that mm -hmm. five years from now two years from now six months from now won't seem or no maybe they will seem important maybe these are the eternal debates right that go on for decades your entire life mm. is around this one you know toy or <laughs> I, I, you well, know, human beings are fascinating and frustrating, and I wish I understood us better. I guess. Mm. Oh, I, I was just there. I was cataloging. So a few people have uh, explained the dynamics of their family Christmas nightmare, because mm. um, uh, it is like that for a lot of people, and uh, you know the uncle that disinvites somebody because they didn't arrive one year that the, the non-arrival becomes the source of conflict. It's strange. It's strange how even an absence can be a, a, a cause for conflict mm. in a lot of cases. Um, I'm happy. I got to have a fairly low conflict Christmas this year. <laughs> and uh, I was, yeah, probably purposefully hiding from it uh, because the last three years have been so um, 
so difficult. Like uh, keeping a catalog of people that are irritated with me or people that I'm irritated with since 2020 is quite kind of difficult. <laughs> it's like the <laughs> you sort of for, forget at a point why everyone stopped talking to each other, but it was sort of you know you can put it under the umbrella of pandemic. <laughs> yeah. So everybody understands there. It's like our World War One. Um, but it's still okay. Look, we we have memes yeah. telling guys, and the, this this one, the first one, the the deciding which propaganda fits my bias. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's perfect. <laughs> um, I mean, it's like I do. We, I, 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 whoops! I, I I can't even not mess up my tech here. Just saying. There. All right. Now you're you're fighting. I'm your fighting tech my now. own tech now. Um, I've, 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 I've lost on my proprioception on exactly where all the wires and everything are and I get all gestury and stuff and I won't bet my camera because it's over there um, okay so this is I, this is all about me right now and my, my sense of I've got to get a class of undergraduates arguing about European history in the next two months mm -hmm. and and the and the major thing that came across this afternoon in our discussion was they didn't feel like there was anything to argue about i showed them lots of maps and and and, and tried to talk to them about McLuhan and and media and and so forth but the major thing that was on my mind was clearly the tension in the maritime system right so you look mm -hmm. at the map of of europe and you see say in the period when the um, Dutch are traveling everywhere and then the English and it's like all of all of the European maritime empires, which of course Germany did not have. Remember what I just said about that port? Maybe there will actually be a theme and an yeah. argument in this, right? Subliminally against the memes. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that Germany did not have that I mean, it's it, it's like ironic if if world history stopped right now and we were in like 1913, Germany would be the least of the bad guys. Think about that, because they had no, I mean, they had a, a few adventures in Africa, but they had no real participation in the slave trade. They had you know almost no uh, you know in, engagements in Africa because they couldn't get mm -hmm. there. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, Belgium is creating it wasn't efficient. Belgium is creating the Congo and Conrad is getting to write Heart of Darkness about that. And the British have been busy, you know, addicting China to opium, thus, you know, it, it creating the problem that we have to this day about the, the animosity between China and, and the British. Um uh mm -hmm. the um Italians, as we've talked about, had tried several times in different parts of Africa. France is, of course. Um, well, they, they, they managed via Napoleon to try to take over everybody <laughs> and mm. fail, but you know, that <laughs> disturbs Germany. It's like, it's so interesting. If we, if we were telling this story a hundred years ago in January, 1914, mm. there would be no reason to think that Germany was about to become the, you know, the great demon of modern history. Mm. It's interesting. It's like the quiet kid who suddenly snaps, <laughs> having you know, having a very quiet presence, a very quiet colonial presence, and then all of a sudden, uh, being the center of these enormous conflicts.
but it, it's it's interesting to think about this. Okay, so they're not connected to sea power at this time in a significant way. They never really so, were, even apparently with the U-boats. They 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 never had a navy mm -hmm. that could challenge the the British. So they're land lovers, <laughs> who are landlocked, yeah. uh, and. isolated uh with all of these other ocean uh, oceanic uh empires right and uh now that's interesting so they're picking because you said something a few days ago uh and uh, as you just mentioned they're cousins of the british uh ruling class in many ways so what <laughs> This kind of ruins one narrative to start an argument. <laughs> We're going to tiptoe around uh, the one that everybody's really trying not to talk about. But Oh, really? <laughs> okay. Oh, maybe well, I, I'm going to tiptoe around and you'll walk things. right into it. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> which, which particular discussion that we didn't have at Christmas are we about to have now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, uh, okay, so, all right, well, this is the, this is the, the buildup of the European identity argument, but at this time there was not a pan-European identity. We're, we're, we're reflecting on an, on a Europe that's carved, uh, into all of these different, uh, imperial systems and they've built their power base on the seas. So these are ocean ocean empires, and then Germany sitting there landlocked, comparatively minding its own business, <laughs> and suddenly gets into a massive fight with an empire that it's related to. Now, how does this happen if... Uh, everyone there is uh a good good european christians i mean oh, the the argument with a lot of people is that okay so we've got an we've got an entire civilization europe which is this amazing con continent full of people that are uh essentially the technological elite of of human history and if it weren't for xyz group of people everything would be a utopia uh up there but you've just described cousins starting a world war. Well, as Winter, as so, Simon Winter, the guy's Germany book I was reading, Germania, points out, it's only really a world war because of the British. Okay. <laughs> because Germany, no, that's... So there's another thing to blame them for. That's the thing, that Germany in, in the First World War doesn't have... I can't get out, right? It's 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 mm. completely landlocked, and it is it it the again I I I've now sort of mystified because I've read a lot about the Great War from Tolkien's side of the story, right? And they get sent to the trenches in France, but interestingly, in the in First World War, no German territory is affected. The people mm. are, because the men are sent to the the front, um, but there's no invasion of Germany in the first world war hmm. which is not it's obviously okay. not true in the second world war but the 
this and 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 you know and the 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 Brit the the Germans can't get out any further. I mean, they're fighting on the two fronts, as it were, and they, they but they're still stuck in the middle of the the powers. So they've they've got no they've got no port system that allows them to compete with Britain Britain and the other European powers whatsoever. Right. So all of their uh, national focus is on their little patch of dirt up there in, in Northern Europe. Well, now, they, do, they do try expanding, you know, to the east. So Russia has a reason to, mm -hmm. to be frustrated with them, but they can't really go very far because, again, they're stuck in the land. They're stuck. Yeah. Okay. So... It's difficult having a conversation about Germany without mentioning that thing that everyone. Well, I don't know what talk we're talking. About. The thing is, this, this is what's curious about it. Is like I realize, think, thanks to reading Graeber's book on debt, which we talked about last time, and now Winder's yes. book on Germania, which he apparently wrote sequels to. So I've got Lotharingia and Danubia, Danubia on 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 order, right? Because he deals with the central mm -hmm. region of Europe. Lotharingia, which is between France and Germany and the division between Louis the Pious's sons back in the Carolingian period. And then the Danubia is the Habsburgs and the, their empire. So I guess I'll learn more. Um, but I, I, I had, I, you know, somewhat read about Germany occasionally, you know, it sort of, it looms into the story every so often in, in medieval history with things like the investiture controversy when the, the, the emperor is challenging um, the Pope over who gets to choose the bishops. See, I'm ne I'm never, I'm really not worried about mm -hmm. modern Catholic history because guess what guys <laughs> been there, <laughs> been practicing this for a long time in mm -hmm. terms of exactly who has the, the dominant power. And that was like the history of the middle ages is understanding the relationship between the bishops, their association with the Kings and the Kings associations with the Pope. So, there you go. It's it's a long story, um, but Germany stays so fragmented until the late nineteenth century, until eighteen seventy one. It doesn't. It, it you know it, it sort of looms up when you have the Reformation and then falls back down into its localisms and it looms up. at, you know it's like this. I don't know. I'm not even sure it's lurking, right? Because it's usually so just so, so many different <laughs> regional differences and in, in, in quarrels it's like fairy tale land winter does a nice job on this is saying it's it's all of these little local kingdoms that some of which are like you know pocket handkerchief size Liechtenstein is big compared to a lot of these and that somehow they continue to exist as political entities for centuries and centuries, and centuries until after napoleon comes through destroys that whole structure but then gets pushed back out so mm -hmm. germany one ends up with a you know a fear of france because Napoleon. Um, the British beat Napoleon, so they get to be the, the top nation for, for the 19th century. And the and Germany spends the rest of the 19th century trying to invent itself in, in the wake of the catastrophe of Napoleon's um, d destruction of their, their previous system. Although, because they were all aristocrats, who knows whether they would have, you know, survived... They don't survive after 1918. Apparently, all the aristocrats just like after the emperor falls, they just all say, "Oh well, whatever," and, and and like either resign or die or move to Brazil or something. 
<laughs> I'm starting to understand why it's so hard for me to have a story here. And in the middle of the 19th century, a bunch of the Germans flee and come to the American Midwest. And I'm now looking at all the architecture and going, looks like a Hansa town, looks like a Hansa town, looks like a Hansa town. Aha! Mm. Right? The sort of quiet So now I realize that the, the 20th century wars are basically Anglo-German civil wars with the Germans on both sides. Because the American, the American, so really, it's a civil yeah, war. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a cultural yeah. civil war. Now that's really interesting, because you go to the <laughs> back to the meme of uh, deciding which which propaganda fits. This kind of ruins the idea of kinship being the definer of a national destiny, because if they're all Germans. Why are they blowing each other up? <laughs> well, the Germans. So this, from my side of the family, who you know, it's like mm -hmm. my grandfather. No, it's my dad's mother was German descent, and so and and my mother's mm -hmm. father came from German descent, right? So and then they all intermarry in the Midwest, and so you have all of these American Germans who forget that they are because of the propaganda in World War One, and then carry on being Americans in World War II. And so it's like, they must have had grand grandparents and great-grandparents. Do they remember where they came from and that they end mm -hmm. up there in Germany as the occupiers? It's very interesting. It was like E. Michael Jones talks about this mm -hmm. regularly saying, um, you know, the, the um, Americans, because of our occupation and the way in which, you know, the, the, the military takes over Germany. But a lot of those people who are serving for the United States must have been a German descent themselves. Yeah. And it's not a lot of time for them to have a complete uh, identity erasure and to suddenly invade their ancestral homeland. Exactly. <laughs> and it's not a lot of time. Uh, that's it's like... Two generations. Uh, three generations, maybe. 1848 to nineteen nineteen. Well, 1848 is a big, big, you know, the big migration. So till 1918, mm. that's 70 years, right? It's so that's three generations. So that's that would be like the Australian convicts arriving, and then within three generations returning back to invade Great Britain, yes, and occupy yes. it. That's nuts. That's absolutely insane. <laughs> that requires a lot of propaganda mm -hmm. doesn't it i mean i realize now how talking about the amnesia of covid right the amnesia yeah. of what happened in 1914 1918 and again in 1939 1945 it's like no wonder we have no idea what's going on mm. but through these several layers of erasures so that you end up with well which you know which side of which story are you going to find yourself let's find another meme let's see we, we did pretty well with that one yeah so now we have Woman, it's impossible to talk with you. You only give solutions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had to add that one in. <laughs> when as women, what great. we clearly want to do is talk through the feelings and be heard. Yeah. And the men are sitting there going, well, why don't you fix this, that, and the other? And you're going, that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> It's like empires operate like women. 
<laughs> they've got to go through the feelings of everything first well, before we anything always gets involved told. in all of the politics anyway so yes mm. right oh wait so we didn't we didn't just have nothing to do with politics until the 20s amazingly amazingly i think we <sighs> talk we've I'm always shocked. been talking to the men <laughs> I had it in my head that we we're in a kind of soundproof chamber <laughs> that was constructed around the kitchen area and we never had any influence the 20s <laughs> I think I've been lied to I think I've been propagandized you think yeah <laughs> I mean, one of, one of the good, maybe I'll just make this about Germania and the, the, the memes through Germany read through the memes. Um, yes. That, that one thing that he points out is until the, until the 1918, most of European history was dynastic. It, it's like, it's, it's, mm. it, it's, and I, my challenge of teaching this Eurocid class is, you know, you're arguing about ideas because we're going to end up the French, first the enlightenment, then the French revolution and the industrial revolution and, you know, uh, liberalism and the critique of colonialism that's the heart of darkness and you know then the the way it plays out with communism and national socialism mm -hmm. and the, the eu and stuff like that it's like this is a really ideas heavy culture but so much of the way the politics played out for centuries and centuries and centuries is in fact which families married who and and then of course mm. the women are always going to be he, Winter has a nice thing of talking about how the, you know, the German princesses could always, you know, marry up and, you know, go from being little Sophie something something to Catherine the Great of Russia. <laughs> there was always the possibility that, you know, if you, you did the marriage right, you're, you'd suddenly be tapped into this incredible power or not. And mm -hmm. then there were just so many, there were so many, you know, subgroups of these this nobility that that was the reality of european um politics I, I mean i think actually until now i mean if we're worrying about the, mm. the oligarchs and their power and their money and their families they're still around my guess is the old families with the old money yeah yeah, yeah. so then uh it's not it's not uh ideological politics we're not looking at a continent that's influenced by a left-right paradigm we're looking at a continent that's influenced by family feuding that, that's a very different way of looking at the history of european civilization than the way that we're taught in, uh, in australia because we have no dynastic influence here even though we're a constitutional monarchy but people kind of just ignore the british monarchy uh except for when Princess Diana died and everyone had that <laughs> public catharsis, you know, because <laughs> uh, the media, the media goddess had, had died. But in terms of the, the family feuding, we don't have warring dynasties in the continent of Australia. So we don't have this kind of uh, influence whatsoever. It, it's, an, it's a really interesting way of uh, approaching history but, but this you is you have you have to step out of you have to step out of the 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 left right thinking in order to to look at it then correct so one one of the ways i realized when i was in last quarter when we were talking about fourth lateran council 
twelve fifteen, and, and mm -hmm. the church's ideal is we exist as a community because of a statement of belief, like we, mm -hmm. we believe in God the Father Almighty. And one of the things that the church does try to do is limit the power of these kinship arrangements, specifically by limiting the degrees of cousin marriage that people can engage in. And, and that's, mm. that is, in fact, where the church intervenes politically most throughout the Middle Ages is the popes either. I mean, this is why we end up with the Church of England separately, right? Because yes. Henry wants to you know have catherine um uh be you know his his marriage with catherine annulled so that he can marry anne boleyn and the pope refuses and so <laughs> the king takes his church and, and leaves right um but the, the, hmm. but that had been the way that the popes tended to try to intervene in the political arrangements of the families for centuries it's like saying you can't marry her because she's too close of a cousin to you and therefore i tell you philip augustus king of France that you were bad to put aside Ingeborg and marry Agnes, right? Oh my God, that right. <laughs> right. The, no, it, <laughs> it, it is interesting how it's like, they're, they're, so there are these hidden relationships throughout our stories of the women and the men and their relationships and all these family relationships. And we assume that the history, as you say, is all can be explained with all these ideological battles, but as often as not, it has nothing to do with the ideas as such. It has, you know, you're taking mm -hmm. sides in the idea arguments because of the family feuds underneath. That's, uh, now that, that's really interesting. <laughs> that makes politics a Christmas dinner every day. Yeah. <laughs> that's terrifying. <laughs> I mean, it's why it why because it's, isn't it why it all ends up feeling so petty? Let's see what our next meme is. Oh well, this one this mm. was the the family that isn't and the family. You know, well, I know what the order they were in. I did show you, uh, but you gave them all to me. The the men having their babies with their surrogate mothers. Oh yeah. Well, I had to put that one in. Which is, I mean, but it become topical in our usual way of finding a thread in the story because it's simply, an, you know, the accidental mosaic reveals all of these relationships. Mm -hmm. I mean, the horror of thinking these men are having babies with women who are not their wives and and the pretense that the, that the babies are somehow the men's babies alone and not the women's too, not the mother's. There, there was a <laughs> billboard that I saw over Christmas every day when I was walking my dog that said was advertising for surrogate mothers, simple surrogacy could get $65,000 for being a surrogate. Big billboard right there on the interstate. Unbelievable. We called it in centrism games, but, uh, this is <laughs> the, the introduction of an industry a new human trafficking industry that's being normalized. Um, $65,000 pretend that a woman doesn't exist. It's a very, very interesting. Now, if we have that kind of culture that's emerging, well, really what that is, is that that's a culture emerging where women are not influencing family dynamics at all. Right. So to talk about wiping that, out the, I, I was thinking about 
Yeah. That this that that image from I mean the, the the meme that we're looking at has the image of the women is in the Handmaid's Tale outfits, and it's like this is literally what the Handmaid's Tale is describing. You, yeah. you, you know the 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 otherwise infertile couple uses this woman's body to make a baby for them. I how this turned into something that is something you advertise on billboards. <laughs> It's astonishing. Yeah. Yeah. And well, it's not. It's not even infertile couples. Right. People are doing ele elective surrogacy now. True. For various reasons. I mean, it used to, but, it used to uh, be a bad thing yeah. to say. Oh, you know those those aristocratic women in the Middle Ages would send their babies out to be nursed, right? So the nursemaid, particularly Renaissance Italy, right? That the the women have lots and lots of babies but um, that the, the upper-class women would not nurse their own babies. So they mm -hmm. find the, 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 the women who will feed their child and their own child. So why weren't they nursing them? Was it, it was uh, fashion, status? Yeah, it was status. Yeah. You don't do your own laundry. Okay. You don't nurse your own kid. <laughs> so they so the formula thing it's formula yeah it's formula <laughs> they, right yeah it's, it's baby formula, formula. But with the mom with a woman right with the person making the formula for you right. <laughs> so now this, this is interesting because i've been thinking about what happens when the normal people the folk the peasantry whatever you want to call us start following trends of the aristocracy and uh it seems like this i mean for $65,000 that's that's an that's an aristocratic choice in terms of having a child most right. people uh can't afford to pay someone give else over yeah, yeah $65,000 um for a heart transplant let alone to buy a baby off somebody that they can pretend it never existed but uh this is like aristocratic behavior that's sort of uh getting uh resold to to normal people mm -hmm. as a a, de a desirable um uh, ambition a desirable social ambition or a desirable commodity so you've got rich ladies in Europe in the medieval period, Renaissance period, that are they're getting wet nurses. And I'm assuming that that would have started to uh, make other women kind of covet the fact that they they didn't have to do all of this work with their children. I'm not sure. But did it have that kind of effect? I mean, uh, in terms of what we what we would see now celebrity influences mm -hmm. that are normalizing things like surrogacy would they have had the similar thing with the aristocracy did, did the dynamics work the same way i don't know in detail i mean i mm. what, what's interesting is in this in the in this renaissance italy period when they are definitely sending out the you know it's like any any story that has nurse in it right and the the, the, mm -hmm. the, the character is being closely attached to their nurse it's it's not just that they like were governess or take they were nursing them they were feeding them okay um and it's ironic because it's at the same time that the images of mary nursing her own child become mm -hmm. 
popular among Renaissance painters. So it's like they're showing Mary uh -huh. doing something in humility that other mothers are not mm -hmm. doing if they can afford it. If they can if they can afford to send their babies out to be nursed by somebody else. Interesting. So this this soft form of surrogacy is contrasted by the Virgin, right? Feeding, uh, feeding her son. That that's really interesting. So of course, hmm. So what I what I I've, I've been realizing it's it, it's interesting that this idea level argument. So we started with the meme of the, you know, choose your biases and things like that. And it's like, we end up very, mm -hmm. very rapidly within the family dynamics. And that th these are, mm -hmm. if we want to say what's like, what's the tension in European culture, it's between that sense of we are a family because we think we are, which is the church yep. versus we are families because we are actually biologically related to each other and that that the nation ends up caught in the middle of all of this and whether or not you mm. and, and the, the the aristocracy don't belong to any particular nations because they're marrying each other at the, the high you know mm. diplomatic level and the german families are intermarried with the, the, i mean the english royal family can't even has to be german because they can't find after queen anne dies and they can't find any, she had all her babies died so they need to find a Protestant. They go to Hanover, right? Famously, George the, the First doesn't speak English. Mm -hmm. And the, the Windsors are actually Sox Coburg Gotha. That the the um that aristocracy doesn't have any. You know, they might have military feeling briefly for that particular region that they can collect taxes from or something. But I'm not entirely sure that they have national feeling in the way that the people are alleged to have and it's it's not even clear, it's not clear to me exactly what kind of national feeling they have it's if for example i'm saying all these germans leave germany in the mid-19th century and come to the american midwest like which nation do you think you belong to after that yeah it's interesting how many generations until you you lose your nationality or you're transformed into a completely new nation that's a really interesting argument so we're doing this. We're I mean, doing this kind of. So we have now boomer humor. Boomer humor. I hate my wife. Yeah. See, look how much family mm -hmm. stuff is in. Millennial humor. Mm -hmm. I hate my life. Gen Z humor. It's the time to rejoice. The cheese stick has returned. <laughs> <laughs> and I do feel like sometimes the conversations <laughs> are going at this level, right? It's like, what relates yeah. to anything else? What you know binds wife to life to absurdity? Cheese stick. The cheese stick <laughs> but you were you were you were developing a thought there sorry the the where is the nation oh that's okay yeah where is the nation i mean by if if you look at biology then americans are germans why are we calling them americans i mean the majority oh, of a them, good chunk that of them should... in the midwest definitely. yeah a, 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 an enormous enormous uh, cohort of the american apparently. population which is how many millions of people? I mean, that's easily more than the entire population of Australia. Right. Easily. With 30, yeah. Uh, Intermarried a lot with the Scots. Yeah. I, uh, the Scots, right? Which is, again, my family okay. did that, right? So Fulton's married to the German families. And um, yeah, so. But still Germans. So it's an interesting thing that 
the okay now <laughs> this is where i get irritating because now we've got this cry for a, a a strong reaction to globalism that everyone should become more nationalistic have more national feeling that there's a rejection of any claim that you can have immigrants that can assimilate and become a part of the nation you know that what, what you know if you're in a particular nation you're always going to be of that particular nation right. unless you're wiped out there's no assimilation there's no intermarriage no no ethnogenesis however german americans prove that to be completely false now that's a problem also <laughs> That there's some kind of strong feeling that you can retain an affinity with your own people because for like what all of 70 years it took them to go in and get coca-cola amnesia and then go back and bomb the homeland i mean that's okay now that's very interesting mm -hmm. so hmm all right we've got a couple of problems the cheese stick the cheese stick. That brings up, yeah, that, that, that's very problematic. That is a cheese stick. And that explains Zoomers very well because they can't analyze anything because they've lost all familiar links to, to the heritage. Right. Not only have they lost those, they're being told that they can't become a new thing because once something, always something. Does it make sense? It does. But I, and, and the thing it's, is, I, this, is, this like... is me. So my, obviously these are my, you know, undergraduates are mainly around 20. Although a few of them are a little older because they're veterans. But um, I've been teaching this class off and on for 30 years. And it's been very, I was thinking today mm -hmm. about how interesting it is, is, you know, how the, the, the tension of the course of European history has changed from 1994, 95, when I first taught it to now. And you know, mm. back in the mid '90s, I mean, one Europe was always pointed to by the United States, particularly the the the, the, the social liberals, as you know, trumping us for social programs and and you know, pleasantness of life and and and, and such and so forth. And that's changed over the decades until now. It's like I can't even find anyone to champion mm. <laughs> European. You know, it's like, never mind the, you know, my three cheers for white men back in the day was sort of thinking about, well, there is some kind of tradition that we should be happy about because it gives us all of these, yes. these nice ideals like chivalry and women, women, you know, respect for women and, and so forth. Um, but mm -hmm. it, 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 it's not even, you know, the attacks on that completely like watered down version of what the society is anymore. I can't find anyone saying there is such a thing as civilization. Mm. Maybe not among my students, but just That's, sort of generically in yeah. the culture. It's like, it's it's to the point where Germany just went, right? But so did everywhere wow. else. How do you know who yeah. you are anymore? If you're, you're not Napoleonic France, right? You're, you're not, you're not, you know, yes. the France that was defeated by Prussia in, 18, in 1870 in the Franco-Prussian War. You're not, it's like the, 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 the idea of even what a culture is, I mean, one of the students today asked, mm -hmm. they say, why does, why does there need to be a thing that Europe is? And I'm like, well, then what are we talking about? I mean, that, that, that is a serious question. It's like saying we do, we're going to 
find out that the Enlightenment invents this idea of there is such a thing as civilization, there is such a thing as culture, and it has certain characteristics, and you can live within it. But what are its characteristics? At what point do you feel like you have human relations in a meaningful way? Mm. Particularly when your mother is, you know, a surrogate that someone else, that your father's paid for you to be born from. Like, who are we at that point? Well, that's, yeah, no, that's how I feel about Australia. Australia's like the surrogate sort of civilization. We know we have a mother, but we don't know it. The motherland, it's as right. such. There's a kind of distant relationship that is commercial, but not familial in many ways. Mm. That, no, that's an interesting problem too, because uh, there was a yeah to th to think about what are you defending, what are you arguing. I saw I saw a quote which I posted on my channel about the the identity problem down here and uh i forget who it was probably from some fascist channel and uh so making a good point about australians being... when you thought 2024 <laughs> would be your year then 12 billionaires start to build doomsday bunkers yes it's oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it's like uh this is the this is the the closest thing to asian culture you can get without being asia a asia proper and that Australia has been formed entirely without any classical uh, education whatsoever. Like the Australian mind is formed without any classical education. So I, I thought that quote was interesting, but it's like being a surrogate civilization. So then, mm, is Europe the surrogate of the world or all of these different new worlds or is it the mother of the new world you know that's a different kind of relationship to think about right i'm rambling but i'm going to digest that for a little while well we have we uh, have a claim in the chat from um swiss swiss axe bear i think no other people have ruled over the people of the north central to northern including english of course roman and greek past 500 years northern central eu and english cousins shifting power internal for generations in the northern tribes so this, I mean, the, it, I'm glad you point to the fact of Rome, right? Because in Winder's book, he starts off Germania. He uses the title that Tacitus gave his completely confusing and difficult book, right? Because it's the one description that we have of these people in the North and we don't know who they are. And in fact, the migrations of peoples and the movement of peoples from Tacitus writing in the first century AD to the point at which we get some more German history later, there's been massive migrations and fluxes of people and so forth and i mean i can do this with more detail for england thanks largely to bead and giving us a story about the kent the kentish people and the angles and the literally the angles and the saxons and the northumbrians and the mercians and they're all considered different kingdoms um one of our fantasies is we have this illusion of all of these people somehow thanks to the 19th century and bismarck being one people but they you know if you mm. actually ask them um, the, the, the you know Eastern Europe has had the difficulty figuring out which Slo are the Slavs to the north though those are, that's Czechoslovakia are the Slavs to the south well that's Croatia right and they're completely different or the Magyars who become the Hungarians and you know are stopped there by Otto the Great when he defeats them at the Battle of Lechfeld Europe went through many 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 movements of peoples and migrations and there's so many 
um, categories of nation that are lost in the midst of the medieval. Uh, that it it that's one of the reasons that Germany was so fragmented and 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 politically, uh, you know, it's simply an empire under the Habsburgs who didn't really control the the central part of Germany because it has all of these layers of past over and over and over mm-hmm. and the billionaires starting to build doomsday bunkers that's basically the all of the middle ages right it's called castles yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right we're so they're not used to see billionaires they're building bunkers. They're, bunkers. <laughs> they're called castles uh, often they're a little there territory are a lot of in germany yeah I mean, the, the English, like Edward I tries to do networks of, you know, military fortifications in Wales at, at, as he had seen, you know, while on crusade. And yes, the Templars and the Hospitallers and the, the Holy Land managed to build actual like systems of fortifications. That's not the way Germany, mm-hmm. I've now learned better, to actually develop. There's no big systems of fortification. There's city walls which you know and and some of the cities themselves are like free imperial cities so they have their own entirely independent political existence that's wild yeah i mean if you if you want to it's like what could we become in the united states after you know the fall of the empire well look at germany (laughs) throughout the middle ages after rome's gone back to being german We'll be ready. America's just going to return to its roots. <laughs> hey, I saw I saw a road. I got lost when we got off of one of our turnoffs, and I'm driving around trying to get back to the, you know, we can go to this truck stop. And there's this, a, a little bitty road called Vogelsong. Birdsong. In German. Oh. In the middle of the American Midwest for no reason whatsoever, right? Amazing. <laughs> well, there it is. Oh, it's left over. They have a, it's not been erased. It's 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 there in odd ways. So what, when I say the the, the architecture is Hansa towns, there's mm-hmm. a, a style of um sort of thing at the top of a house. I'm not sure what to call it. Uh, maybe it's a pediment. That no pediments are like in 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 temple. It's 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 just a front, like a frontage. You you think of it in um, American Western towns where there's you know the 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 town the 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 um, shops will have a front and then there's just a box in the back and it looks like every western you've ever seen the the mm-hmm. there there houses in Chicago that have this and it's a sort of stepped brick thing they're all over northern Germany and they were the Hansa towns the great trading towns and they look like you know from Bruges to Stralsund which I got to go to eight years ago seven years ago it's this weird kind of architecture and then I saw it today walking to campus I'm like oh my gosh that's that that's that northern german Mm -hmm. style of house front isn't that amazing so it really is hiding in america Mm -hmm. but it's everywhere Mm -hmm. invisible and ubiquitous right germany so the doomsday bunkers then is in keeping with tradition (laughs) the billionaires always do that they build doomsday bunkers they want bunkers. I mean, I'm sorry that they want these underground and they're probably not nearly as, you know, architecturally lovely as, as you know, ca- hilltop castles, but there you go. They probably won't have hunting lodges mm. with, you know, trophies and such. A- <laughs> <laughs> no moats. No moats. 
no no fairy tale stories no, that's these boring it's very very boring i think i think we should move on okay they don't know the empire is ending they're at the party right and so oh yeah one couple is saying one man is saying print more fiat to save the world they told me it works and i believe them and and then the other couple the guy saying all we have to do is vote for our guy we will fix this and the and the the uh, thoughtful guy in the corner saying they don't know the empire is ending. Well, this is true. People uh, often mm -hmm. don't give up until the very end and then it crashes all around them. They didn't know the empire was ending in 1914. <laughs> and by 1918, Wait, no more Habsburg. <laughs> mm. So. Do you think people knew or. Uh, <laughs> when did they when did they realize? Like, is there a public declaration or just the, how, how does it work historically when people just wake up one day and realize there's no empire now, it's gone? Well, in 19, because 1918, we don't have the, we don't their, have the dynasties to say goodbyes to. <laughs> so they kind of noticed. Okay, that, that'll do it. <laughs> with, with the fall of the Roman Empire, um, it's, it, I mean, it takes generations for the legions to be gradually replaced by mercenaries. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, that's definitely happened by the fifth century, but a lot of the structures, I mean, the, 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 the senatorial families, even in the seventh, the fifth, sixth, seventh century, are still hanging on in the Gal the Gallic towns. Um, many of the, many to, talking about the billionaires building their bunkers when the barbarian, um, chieftains move in and start taking over, uh, the Roman empire, for the most part, they take over the tax collection and, and they, 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 uh -huh. they move in and they become the guy that you pay your taxes to just as you would have paid to um, Rome, right? But these, these Franks, say in Gaul, um, the Merovingians start taking over the economic structure. Um, eventually, however, enough of the manufacturing collapses that, for example, you can't get tiles for your roof anymore. Oh, so we can see that architect yeah, uh, archaeologically that um, there's you know the the houses become degraded in in terms of building materials that they have access to, and mm. then there's the you know huge question. Belgian scholar Perrin had a, a thesis about exactly when the empire falls, and he says, "Oh well, there are all these luxury goods that are still traded until after Muhammad, till after the seventh century," um, but yeah. it it is clear that you know the the infrastructure and the connections are they may still be they may still exist but they're breaking down so it can it okay. can be immediate like after 1918 and germany ends up in you know crush crushing inflation or it can take a while okay yeah well this is not going to help us make a prediction <laughs> Um, do we think, uh, do we think the empire is falling mm. in 2024? Oh, let's see what, let's see what our next meme yeah. says. Uh, the virgin thought experiment versus the Chad myth. All right. Virgin thought is saying nobody cares used exclusively by Anglos and debate bros. Boring. What if we were mm -hmm. trading on an Island trading coconuts? Oh, that's one of the myths that, um, Graver talks about in debt, that this myth of barter and markets developing bad mm -hmm. and barter total myth. Barter only happens when you've had a money economy and it collapses, and you still have the habit of of, of you know 
trading in those terms prior to yep. markets, which are created, as we talked about last time, by states in order to give the army some place to shop. You don't do barter. So the virgin thought experiment is not going to help. Well, the Chad myth. Um, I heard this from my uncle. Flying horses, planet made of gems. Is it true? Is it false? Is there a kernel of truth? Is it a metaphor, an allegory? Nobody knows. Expresses the lattermost depths of Platonism. Which one is which one is the good side in this one? Since schizos looking for sunken <laughs> cities for the next 2,000 years produces endless debate, highly problematic, true works of art. The philosopher beats the poet at his own game. It definitely happened 10,000 years ago. Okay, I'm not sure. Explain that, this this pairing to me. I don't get it. Oh, so, well, basically it's the argument of everybody debating with facts versus people just making up whatever they want and then having mythologies emerge. <laughs> it's kind of like the internet um and uh and the, you know the argument over which way the culture is going to go right we're going to stay with the 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 <laughs> the virgin uh rational uh rationalism or the chad the mythological which is basically anything goes uh and that kind of links back to the conversation about the emotion starting all of the arguments too mm. Because the, I mean, that's kind of the, the argument there is that people have been leaning on rationalism. And so assuming that ideas are causing all the problems or moving events and moving history, right. but it's the mythology, which is very emotional, that is <laughs> influencing everything as much as, much as, uh, as, as much as a Christmas dinner. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, even I mean, reason what, from the, the Enlightenment the version of reason is is one of these myth, emotional myths too, right? Because it's like the, we mm. in order and 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 system. That's what that was what Napoleon did in destroying Germany. Um, is that he comes through and as the French are desperately trying to do throughout the revolution, I'm, I'm guessing what he did. I don't. I'm not really clear on this. I need to read some more. Winter wasn't terrifically clear, but he comes in and he he reorganizes the the states um and it, actually very quickly i was surprised that that napoleon was able to have such an enormous effect and they didn't bounce back because i don't think he was there for more than a decade um but rationalized the whole structures of everything and then they just collapsed and the germans had to start mm. trying to be rational about Again. things is not going to help Hmm. So we need the Chad myth mythological. <laughs> well, we I think or, we do uh, to motivate people to care about being mm. alive. Like they need to have mm. some sense of adventure and purpose, and that that tends to come from myth, not from mechanism. Hmm. So is that the reason why? Uh, talking about uh, history and people not being able to have arguments about it is because they've forgotten all of the mythology. People, uh, the people reflecting on the the history now, they're disconnected from the mythology of all of these places that became so heated. We did, we we've lost the stories. Yeah that allow us to feel that passionate. I mean, it's sort of the, the Zuma meme, mm -hmm. 
we're we're finding the cheese, but we don't have even the boomer passion of I hate my wife. <laughs> there's no there's no Gen X millennial passion of I hate my life even. Nothing. It's a lack of passion and it's pure absurdity. Mm. Which is what what I mean it the, Europe goes through after 1945 as uh, you know they're not really allowed to have any passions anymore. Because passion is bad. Passion okay. is Wagner. Passion is, you know, you end up killing too many people. Um, mm. And so they're, they're actually, as a continent, kind of frightened of it. That's why the EU is so boring. <laughs> gotcha. Um, because, you know, as far as, as far as the people who set up the EU and then it becomes a common market, and become, or it set, sets up the European colon steel community and then it becomes a common market and then it becomes the EU is they're desperately trying not to have any kind of like oomph to it and, and if you look at the okay. EU every so often it's purposefully it's boring purposely boring and 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 it but what's ironic and sad about oh, it is God. like they're trying they're desperately in their founding documents the EU like it's preamble for its constitution trying to define itself as you know, like it's, it's going to respect our cultures and our past and stuff like that. It's like, what, right? There's there, it's contentless yeah. tradition, which therefore means nothing, right? Tradition is the fight that you had with your family at Christmas. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the reason I'm not welcome in <laughs> multiple places. It's good to know I've got a lot of traditions. <laughs> I don't know. I, the, our, these memes are—they're helping us, but they're not really okay. Here we now have um, Book Berkheimer uh, point uh, post a, a picture of some swings, summer nineteen ninety-eight, and a uh, stewing strawberries. It looks like where sweets are baked, not bought. Loving this new TikTok trend of fourteen-year-olds oh. thinking nineteen ninety-eight was actually the eighteen hundreds. We, there is a theme emerging. You just pick. You just pick these these memes as something that you you know things that we get. get and there is a theme emerging. This is good. We've lost the past. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no traditions. So picking strawberries seems archaic. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean everyone's kind of lost track of time. I, I like that one because it was, uh, you know, obviously I'm going to defend my lack of understanding about what decade or century we're in. <laughs> <laughs> but it's clearly past, it's right? So Something hard. that happened, the swing set from yeah, 1998 exactly. just looks unimaginably a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, and and having <laughs> having mistakes of entire centuries. I mean that's that's amazing. <laughs> well, that is that is no... typical of people being able to date stuff in the Middle Ages or not, right? <laughs> uh -huh. I'm used to this. The 12th century and the 15th century—they're completely different, you know—but they're medieval. So, okay, so it's not so. It's, None of it's this is so new. Bunkers, new, but, ca uh... castles, right? <laughs> All right, so. The the grandma hobbies, where everyone wants to cook their own strawberries, yeah. and turn them into candy. I mean, this is like not being able to get tiles in a collapsed Roman Empire and suddenly having to, you know, construct roofs through local materials. Yeah. 
this is a kind of pivot from import-export culture to DIY survival, which is uh, romanticized as a kind of quaint return to tradition, but actually what that means is people are beginning to <laughs> develop survival skills for when they can't get roof tiles. <laughs> uh, maybe. Well, this I do wonder about this as a... The, the, what happens when empires collapse is you get very regional. Okay. And, you know, the United States, the, the, so the, the interstates, I was asking the students, it's like, what do you think about the interstates? It's like they're Roman roads and therefore they're military. Mm -hmm. I mean, we think of them primarily mm -hmm. as commercial, but the, com the commerce travels in the protect under the protection of the U.S. military. Mm. That fudge shop that we like teasing everybody about is actually next to um, Leavenworth, which is a training army training camp. So the, the, the mark of the empire is everywhere in the road system and in the, the homogeneity of what happens along those mm -hmm. roads. What, but th that's what empires like, right? They like homogeneity. The Roman Empire tried that too, so that every Roman imperial mm -hmm. town had the same set of architectural features, right? From mm. circus, temp various temples, right? Um, and what happens is, you know, the, the ability to stay in contact with all of those, you know, regional networks collapses and you end up with just the local. The early, the early so Middle Ages no is very, yeah, it's very romantic and, and, and local. The, the Germany loved its localism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they're, so they're, they're, it's like a post McDonald's world, yeah. basically. Yeah. As a, from what you, because I, I had the image in my head of a McDonald's restaurant, because they're everywhere and they're all homogenous, because you get the same tasting food in every single yep. restaurant, and they all have the same drive-through system, and everything's set up in a basically an identical way, and the menu's basically the same no matter what region you're in. So that's post post Rome. It's it's a world with no more McDonald's homogeneity. Yep. And, and 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 thinking that, about that as a, like I mentioned Perrin and his thesis about what happens in the breakup of the Roman Empire and the degree to which that long distance trade persists. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody's been arguing about Perrin's thesis for a hundred years, and all the details of it are wrong. But there you go; it's a great thesis and makes a good story, so we use it as a myth. Um, and he 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 tracked. He claimed to have tracked various things that disappeared. He said in the trading papyrus from Egypt. The wines of Syria, um, actually the wines of mm -hmm. Gaza, um, uh, oil, I think spices, and gold coinage. Um, and what you realize is that he, he's describing what had been a homogenized market because you're going to your best wine is all going to come from Syria. And one mm -hmm. of the things Winder talks about is how nobody drinks German wines now because of the, the international market, you know, like the better wines come from Spain or Portugal and stuff. So nobody wants Rhine Moselles anymore. Um, but the reason that we had, they had wine growing in Germany was they couldn't get wine otherwise. <laughs> yeah. You have, you have to develop your local production and it may not be, you know, the peak of whatever it is that of the, the, the product that you want, but that's yours because it's, it's your local one. And Pache Adam Smith, of course, which Vox has talked about a lot, uh, the free trade 
is in fact injurious to these local productions. Because then people are no longer relying on themselves to produce their own goods. Right. Hmm. So free trade is homogenization. Right. Free trade is homogenization and imperial. Mm. Ultimately imperial. And that imperialness got... is disguised by in the you know, the British are great at saying we want free trade, but of course it's an imperial free trade. They want their access to all of those markets. And, mm. and we know that what happens in you know, under the British Empire is they destroy, for example, India's textile industry. Because of the cotton. Yeah. 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 So all right, so this is interesting because <laughs> we're in a new year of uh looking at the the empire dissolving collapsing but a lot of what people are referring to as their national identities actually enmeshed with all of this homogenized free trade culture so it's it's not national at all no and now we it's have the completely... history channel logic engineering marvels and aliens oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> had to throw that in there there's been the a lot of talk of aliens no, recently having, wasn't there. Well, having, having, having spent some time in archaeological um, ex excavations doing the munsell color test on pottery that that little color card that he's holding is is interesting <laughs> it's it's a shades of brown right from white to black through the sh the human obviously the human skin color shades and it's like if, if if it's if it's made by in a region where the people are black you have to consider it's aliens if it's made in pe region where the people are paler it's oh engineering marvels yes okay fine. <laughs> but all of those i mean well, all like of those are imperial it's like the aqueducts the Colosseum, the parthenon the aztec temples the egyptian temples and the easter island heads I don't know about the Easter Island heads, but the others, I mean, they have imperial qualities to them. It's like you've got, you know, multi diverse populations coerced together into creating them. Mm. Yeah, well, the... All of the... The, uh, the architectural wonders were reproduced in smaller versions everywhere, right? Yeah. I mean, this is like... These are uh, wonders, but yeah, it's part of the homogenization. Certainly, those uh, aqueducts, I, I like... the Roman aqueducts, are they? I think, I mean, they, I've never seen one. I, I would like to see one of those stacked, tiered aqueducts, but um, yeah, they're they're very beautiful. They're very beautiful, but the, but they are exported by the, the legions around mm -hmm. the empire. So they're like Route 66. They're military roads. Mm -hmm. They're just pretty and older. Well, Route 66 was actually... The aerial. This is the, the, the interstates now are I-55, I-44, I-40. And it's they, they took over... The interstates took over the older roads. So there were... Route 66 is the older road underneath them, underneath the, the interstates, uh, which yes. does... Some, most of the time followed the route of the original road. And I think Route 66 itself was overlaid on other local tracks, right? So the the interstates massively homogenized the American road system, but there was roads, there were roads there already. 
Except for the, through the cities where they bulldoze people's houses. <laughs> to make the architectural marvels. Well, the imperial in, in Chicago was to break up the Catholic communities, but there you go. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, it's very purposeful. Mm -hmm. They went straight through all the Polish Catholic neighborhoods with one of the, the northbound interstates. Hmm. Now that's really interesting. So that's a direct repeat of Roman imperial policy in a lot of ways, or it and the colonial borders, mm -hmm. right? You've, you've you've divided an entire community with a road. Yes. It's essentially what happened to the Germans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> breaking up a breaking up an ethnic group with the road and dividing them to maintain the imperial uh, strength. Yeah. So okay. Now, if people are going to be arguing about the roads getting bad, the infrastructure breaking down, this isn't necessarily a bad thing then, is it? <laughs> depends depends <laughs> on whose side you're on, depends right? On the, yeah. yeah, exactly. Because what happens then when ethnic groups are no longer going to be divided by those imperial roads? Ooh, they might talk to each other. So... Hmm. Interesting. So that they're gonna, t they're going to be left without that kind of uh, infrastructure division. Massive social engineering that happens from the presence of an infrastructure. Yeah. And then potentially without a massive import-export culture, they're going to have to localize. That stick of cheese. Maybe the, maybe yeah. the zoomers are right, <laughs> right? <laughs> they want to make cheese again. They want their heirloom cheese. <laughs> well, it, and, I mean, this, you know, the zoomers that I know in my family, they, they, love that, they love those absurdist memes for sure. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, they're, they'll, or my students will sh now, you know, they're, they're, you know, young, young zoomers and they'll be showing me things. And I'm like, why do you find that funny? They're, they're definitely high on the absurd, right? It's like, it's just, it's just, it's, mm -hmm. it's, 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 but it's this kind of joyous absurdity. It's not a despairing absurdity that like Gen X, we're kind mm -hmm. of, you know, passive and whatever, but um, it's not a millennial feeling it, it there's something different in the 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 younger generations reactions to things of yeah and there's the stick of cheese there's suddenly you know, suddenly this <laughs> here we oh okay here's a truck that uh, says um uncircumcised non-voting monarchist pro-unemployment monasticism alas misspelled it to me when it's how else can i offend you today <laughs> medieval <laughs> yeah <laughs> the interesting monasticism was in, you know like the benedictine monasticism was so completely local that there was no such thing as a benedictine order 
that's a 12th century invention of the Cistercians to have a sort of network of communities that are actually like bound by their administration and the abbots have regular national meetups. The, 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 mm -hmm. the original Benedictine communities, each one was its own thing, right? So they have, you know, you have to manage your own land and manage your own labor and your relations with the local lords who are collecting the imperial taxes as Franks, right? Um, so in in that one tiny way, Rod Dreyer's discussion of the the Benedict, the Benedict option, I you know, it is true that you, mm -hmm. you know, what happened with the break of the Roman Empire was lots and lots and lots of localism, which could be very dynamic and mm. fruitful. It's just you know less visible in history and less easy to tell, right? I realize this is like why don't I know much about medieval German history? Well, how do you tell that number of stories, right? It's much easier if you have one capital, yeah. London or Paris, um, and you can tell stories around the the people that were collected there in the centers of power. It's much harder to tell it when there's a gazillion different regional centers, various free cities, various you know interests in alliances. That kind of stuff is harder to narrate, and so we think of it as less real interestingly mm. that is very interesting so we are very much relying on the authorized version of events all the time mm. and that 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 will be what this sort of triumphant history of things of the roman empire right and that this is the that makes europe great and then the the, the rise of England, it, I mean, England is administratively very interesting because they develop systems of record keeping and such fairly early. Uh, and that's why the Normans want to conquer the island because it's, it's, it's relatively wealthy. The French over the course of the Middle Ages developed their centralized government in, under the Capetians so that by the 17th, 18th centuries, they incredibly powerful. France is, is very, very wealthy and very like well organized. So the revolution is a big catastrophe, but then it reorganizes itself to be a threat to Europe again. Cue Napoleon, right? All of these are mm. much easier narratives to tell than massively fragmented local communities, which might actually be pleasanter to live in, but they're harder to mm. tell grand stories about because there's not the, that, that clear focus. History likes empires. It likes the bureaucracy. It likes the bureaucracy, for sure. It likes the bureaucracy. Now, that's that's really interesting. So, hmm. so we've got all of these different places in Europe that are kind of assembling their centralized governments, assembly, assembling their bureaucracies, which then become oceanic bureaucracies or navies. So these are the these are the maritime powers. They're bureaucracies on the water. Germany has this strange uh, kind of wild uh, wild woods history where it's all of these different things happening everywhere with all of these different end of the world bunkers that crop up everywhere different ideas, different families, too many different local stories to tell anything. And then suddenly 
this uh this uh place this kind of place of all places develops the most intense bureaucracy of Europe in a very short time it's a, it is astonishing to realize that it's like the Nazis that is amazing are the least that German is amazing thing that ever happened what happened to them well, you know first, like this is what i now we don't think we don't call this in a kind of first napoleon mm. blows through and then they and 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 this it seems to create this problem for germany of thinking of itself as germany it's it's interesting it's like it's defeated by napoleon and then it understands itself as germany and then mm. um and again, I, I need to read more about like what happens with Bismarck in the 1870s and such. But interestingly, between 1871 and 1914, they don't have any wars. They, they also think of military activity as, as, you know, relatively light. It could be over in a few months. So whatever happened in 1914, when they kept saying, oh, it'll be over by, by Christmas, they had been in, everybody had been in engagements like that that had finished fairly quickly. So it was sort of stunned everyone involved that the trenches bogged down in the way that they did um but then after 1918 and I, some of the americans get involved at this point the treaty of versailles and such they break up all of the old imperial structures so the habsburg empire is destroyed and you get austria hungary hmm. but it also hmm. apparently wipes out the roman the, the, the roman the the german aristocracy so that they all just resign and it's like in the french revolution when all the aristocracy surrenders its privileges in 1789 that the the german aristocracy mm. just gives up so the country had the countries the multiple countries that they are in that region don't have any more dynasties they just i i don't know what happens to them they seem to go poof and turn into they yeah, vanish turn into something else and then the then then because of the reparations and the and the feeling, it, I had not appreciated this. In fact, that Germany hadn't been invaded. So why did they lose in 19, mm. 1918? And so that then starts fueling this sense of, you know, having been cheated and, and be resentful. When, in fact, up until 1914, it had been like everybody participating in the same game, as it were. It's interesting. Yeah. then the game changed so there's this because I'm, I'm reflecting on this now this kind of feeling that we have not really sure what's going to happen with all of our countries we know that there's going to be an imperial handover that's inevitable when it's kind of happening already there's arguments over the waterways and everything but we don't have the families. We don't have those prominent aristocratic families, at least here that I can think of, that are holding together anything. It's all uh, it's all bureaucracy mm -hmm. sticking everything together. So are we in a kind of moment now where the prominence of families are is is going to be? Uh, the thing that uh, kind of emerges from this uh, 
Anglo-American system. I mean, the the bunkers are up, right? The bunkers are being built. Oh yeah. So are we are we looking at the the new family family dynasties that are emerging? Okay, so our next meme is um, something in Sayunaperto della Procura. Is that Italian? Oh, is this a yes. newspaper? Tell me about this newspaper. Oh, yeah. This is this is so the other. That. This is another of the sort of mythological monster background stories that we're having to bring in. Yeah, another really bad family feud. <laughs> Um, so that was from an Italian newspaper and someone got a shot of that, uh, because the, the articles discussing the, the memes that are circulating on the internet, but I thought that was amazing that now the memes that, you know, it's like 4chan memes are going into mainstream Italian newspapers. <laughs> it's happening really quickly. <laughs> the, um, the time difference between the meme getting released on, uh, on the, the interesting internet versus mainstream normal news is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and the meme, I forget what it says exactly, but they're Nothing referencing. Nothing will stop me from committing martyrdom, which is. Uh, oh yeah. And, the woman and in the hijab. The woman in hijab. On the top. And on the bottom, uh, Hasidic Jew with the yes. box. Six billions must mm -hmm. cry. Yes. And something in Hebrew. So they're referencing hand the thing he's holding. Mm, so it's referencing Gaza. Basically that meme is the 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 call for genocide. And instead of it being the six million, it's the six billion. So everybody's get getting kind of involved in what uh is being called the collective punishment, you know. Mm. Uh, after the the Gaza invasion. So I, I I put that in there because I thought it was an interesting uh, look at how our online communication is is getting featured in newspapers and the 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 event that we've witnessed since October last year is uh, is memed as it's going on. Like you know, usually we you would have like a war correspondence coverage of a war journalists would be going in there all the time you'd be getting special reports or whatever it is i'm we're learning about an entire war slash genocide through memes but mm. i thought that was really interesting that this is like the the comms about this event it's all memes based but most people that are opening that newspaper are seeing it and it's sort of like in context it's out of context they couldn't read it for for uh for what what's actually put in there and what's implied right. but we're getting uh drawn into a family feud that tension between the arab and the the israeli and this uh kind of uh <laughs> this is an interesting thing that's coming out now uh choose your side in terms of a family feud right well, so you were mm. just you were asking about it's like where are the big families, the 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 bunker families, yeah. and I mean one of the things that happened in the Middle Ages is that the nobility despises its own peasantry. There's a famous mm. um, moment in um, the ninth century after Charlemagne 
or the 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 um, Vikings are raiding, you know, on the rivers in northern France, and the peasantry organize a response, an armed response, and the the feudal nobility is develop, feudal developing at that time. Exactly right. The military aristocracy comes and kills the peasants for trying to defend themselves against the Vikings. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, the, the, the feel that, you know, the, 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 the lords are going to come save you, not necessarily. Yeah, and, and sort of creating a, creating a family feeling for the, it's like, it, there's a mythology for the English of the Lord being specifically responsible for the people on his land and, and so forth. Yeah. Well, if some of those Lords kicked all of, you know, people like my family off, AKA the Highland, you know, we weren't Highland, but the, the clearances in Scotland and send them all to Appalachia. Yeah. There's no necessary sense of relationship between the, the people that have the money and the, the familial sense to build those bunkers and keep whoever they want in them and the population that they're willing to send to war against each other. I mean, mm. I, the, the, whatever's happening in, in Israel, Gaza, and the degree to which those people are being used by people who don't care about either side is mm. um, likely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that they're being they're being stormed up into hating each other in the way in which we've been talking about. It's like the, the behind the scenes effect of World War One is all of the propaganda that was used to make sure that all of Europe hates the Germans. Hmm. Yeah. So it's a very similar thing. And then you wonder who. Who, who who's behind the propaganda efforts to make sure that those people are still in perpetual warfare? Right. Mm. So okay, so now we have a lot we we have a lot of different problems now because if we have aristocracy we're not necessarily going to get an aristocracy that cares about the peasants most likely not <laughs> which sucks <laughs> i mean unless the, you know, the, the outside but, option that they're christian but even then it's not a guarantee <laughs> why we well, didn't work in the middle ages right no okay. so you know the, i mean that that's what the interesting like fractures of empire so empire cares about homogeneity and and it, it you know it seems to affect this through the homogeneity of the military if you're doing the roman legionary thing or the american right mm -hmm. See, the american pox americana which we are watching you know dissolve in the red sea right now uh it was militarily it's just like the roman empire it's like you put you put your legions out there on the borders of the empire and the people in the center of the empire don't necessarily have to think about it because the, the 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 um the legionaries are stationed all along the danube and the rhine and you know north mm. africa and you're only aware of them as the imperial citizens if it breaks down and the, the borders are breached so you could say you could say empire does at least take care of citizens but it also uses citizenship as a um 
famously, it's been used citizenship as a way of recruiting for the army, which it needs in order to maintain its homogeneity. Mm. So it's, yeah, okay. So you need the enemies. You need to rec you need to recruit from the population to people your armies to maintain your border. But the borders are there not necessarily to protect the peasants, because <laughs> the people that are directing the armies don't necessarily care about the peasants whatsoever. <laughs> this is a lot more complicated than what we're what we're arguing about now in terms of the lack of national borders and <laughs> the collapse of national sovereignty and yep. <laughs> our relationships in the waterways, especially with the trading route uh, that uh, America's failed to uh, assemble a coalition of, uh, of its buddies to, to police. I mean, so basically, this this smashes through all of the the usual political arguments, the usual political rhetoric that everything is about ideas, and it's those people think this way, we think this way. This is completely beyond that level. Yeah, this is this is power that has absolutely <laughs> no care or reference of the majority of normal people whatsoever. <laughs> you have accurately described this. Uh, Let's see if the next meme can help well, us. Oh, yes. Yes, this one's actually topical. How does the British Museum have so many incredible artifacts compared to other museums? Yay! The secret ingredient is <laughs> crime. Yeah. <laughs> so again, this empire, um, right? It's like I, I, I live on both sides of all of these things, right? It's like, cause I loved being in London mm -hmm. and, you know, you go to the British museum and it has this magnificent collection. It's like, why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With donations. <laughs> um, you know, and, and mm. it's, it's, it's a map of the regions that the Brit, you know, British were able to collect from. And, and, mm. and, you know, their big, their, you know, the great interest in Egypt is because Napoleon tried to go there and Napoleon makes, um, there's a, a famous, um, scholarly expedition that, uh, produces the description of Egypt, which is a, they're elephant sized volumes, right? They're enormous. We have some at, at Chicago. So they're, they're really fun to, to like get out and just show the students because they're these ridiculous, you know, I'm like doing this, right? It's like, they're bigger than me. Um, and they're all, you know, incredibly scientifically detailed um, drawings of the mo monuments and the daily life and, you know, the flora and fauna of Egypt. Well, they're doing that at the point when uh, um, Nelson is actually already defeated Napoleon at Trafalgar. <laughs> and mm. so the, you know, all of the great British archaeological interest in, oh, guess what, the Middle East follows on from their defeat of napoleon and his efforts to so take over egypt which is an ancient french tradition so it, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so it was british fomo that made them turn to egypt fear of missing out they didn't want to um kind of well they'd already been so they'd already been involved in india 
And and I think it's a, a good deal. It's like the, with with Napoleon, it's the same. It's like how dare he? They're, they're, the 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 aristocracy the audacity <laughs> the aristocracy of Europe is all very worried by the French Revolution because they can see what you know how they mm. can lose everything, um, and the you know and and Napoleon is I need to learn more about Napoleon. No, I haven't seen the movie. I don't trust movies. Um, I have, however, read uh, Les Miserables, and I remember the the description when they go to the Battle of Waterloo and 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 sees all of it. You know, it's like Napoleon's defeat is obviously huge for France as well, and I think that's one of those. It's like how are we going to explain what people felt like through COVID and the how the world changed mm. in such a short time? I I think Napoleon's effect was like that, right? It was like not very long, and suddenly all of Europe is reorganized. And w one of the mm. effects of that is the British continuing interest in the Near East, Middle East, and Egypt, and all those artifacts in the British Museum. <laughs> it's really interesting. So <laughs> Napoleon kind of, the, the defeat of Napoleon, then it's the signal of the great crime spree. The, the the colonial crime spree where they begin raiding the planet for all of the treasures and artifacts well to be fair I mean, napoleon had the... two so he <laughs> he mm. took he took i mean the louvre has that collection that he captured many things from germany for example and took them to france so some of some of one of my colleagues works on the, the sort of efforts to get back some of the things that napoleon took yeah so looting other other people's treasures is a is a time-honored tradition in european politics <laughs> the vikings i was telling you about the vikings what do you okay. think they did they stole the stuff from the monasteries yeah. looting yeah. true um okay so this seems familiar then this isn't some <laughs> the Oops, I it it again. The... I, i'm sorry <laughs> I you've don't been, usually do this you've, with my. You're spatially reorganized into basement. The the basement. Uh, I guess, but I keep I keep pulling on my my um. Right, it's like why is why is my ear earbuds catching on my gestures? I feel I feel more expressive tonight. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, You're the the the, you know, the Latin sack of Constantinople in 1204, right? They've been taking stuff from each other for centuries. The Romans took stuff from so them, you know, in their triumphs, capturing things from, oh, I don't know, the temple in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. So, you know, the, yes. the, 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 the capture of the beautiful stuff goes along with the, the imperial maneuvers. So the raiding, okay, so the capturing of stuff goes along with the imperial maneuvers. Raiding is just business as usual, which would make the, um, the raiding of uh, tax dollars that's been happening for the last year, last couple of years, fairly standard then. Instead of raiding physical, tangible wealth, it's something else. Or that, is no, that that uh, I think exists in another category. 
what I what I was thinking is okay. so I, I in the when the Nazis they steal all the the art and the monuments men get to get you know rescue the um, Ghent altarpiece the, again the Nazis are doing things that the German you know the the English had done and the French had done and everybody else had done stealing each other each other's artifacts. Um, I, th I think, you know, th th then that gets into this, this odd problem of like what counts as culture, right? Who, who has the beautiful mm -hmm. stuff and whose is it? Oh, yeah. So basically arguing over art property rights. Yeah. That I got to be yeah. when, when, in my, in my, in, you know, moment of, of serving the United States government and the State Department and as a member of the Cultural Properties Advisory Committee. It was a lot about that, right, which ironically was the United States making agreements, memoranda of understanding with other countries to limit the import of certain kinds, categories of objects from those countries, which are in danger of being looted. <laughs> So we, we, I mean, we, in the year that I was on the committee, we talked through a number of different agreements with different countries and saying they gave it a long list of all of these kinds of things that they wanted the American customs officials to look for so that they don't get imported into our antiquities and, you know, ethnographic markets. And is this for private collections yeah. or? Well, no, actually museums, museum. museum okay there were museum people on the committee as well, because museums are involved in some of these purchases too. If they, they, they're trying to add to their collections, okay. they could get, they don't want to be buying stuff that's not allowed to be sold, but okay. Yeah. It's I, you know, ironic that much of the British museum collection might not make it to London. <laughs> <laughs> Would they get it past customs in 2024? <laughs> Yeah, so a lot of the great culture of, you know, of Europe moved around a lot in the 19th century and we have this idea that it should all be stable and, mm. you know, in particular collections now, well. <laughs> yeah, and that's interesting. The it seems to be completely different than uh the cry for a uh, a pride over what you've produced in your own country. They wanted the the exotic curiosities of their uh, their neighbors, oh, yeah. for, foreign cultures. Everybody wanted to have imported treasures. So, <laughs> mm, okay. So it brings us to our next meme, which is America was built on slavery, which makes you concerned if you're a member of BLM, but delighted mm -hmm. if you're looking at Egypt. <laughs> 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 which we talked about guys I remember that we one. did we I did a variety of episodes back in the day on the obelisks and the you know the little egypt in in south illinois and and so forth you know the degree mm -hmm. to which this imagining of which culture we belong to we I mean, look at that there's an obelisk as the national as the washington monument that's an egyptian artifact Topped with aluminum, which is kind of interesting because it was considered more precious at the time. It's so funny. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, what people considered precious at one stage. Um, no, we had, I had to include that. The, uh, 
that that to me was a kind of uh, marker of of 2024 because the 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 conversation that we've had the last year especially down here is uh how everyone's going to save our freedom and retain all of our freedoms that we've got here and you know all of this kind of stuff uh not a lot of reflection on the <laughs> the the actual slavery that's being practiced uh I talked about it with you in a, in our last mm -hmm. stream uh but you know the region around the waterways, the region around the Red Sea that's being fought over by all of these powers is still a zone that is uh, used by human trafficking networks and that this this area of the planet is not, uh, not slave-free. I mean, it's not, uh, it's not even America with a history of slavery that was abolished and then you know you know it, it can be a kind of historical memory this is still going on in that area so it's kind of the it's sort of like a meme in full circle i suppose with where we're at staring at the the suez <laughs> <laughs> that uh yeah the the waterways are being contested in that area and the Egypt was built on slavery. America was built on slavery, but it's it's sort of like the entire <laughs> the entire dynamics of the the maritime maritime empires are built on slavery. It's a it ha it hasn't disappeared. It's still there. Um, well, so many of these things. How many more memes do we have? Let's see, we've got there a are few. no guns in Britain. Yes, well, oh yeah. <laughs> As if there were, as if there were no war before guns were invented, and and that I mean that being the so gun guns often being it's like the quintessentially European thing since that's what you know Cortez uses to defeat the Aztecs and set up the mines. Uh, that find all I mean yes that that Europe is the inventor of these firearms. Britain, Britain has a lot of nerve being proud of itself for not having guns since they, you know, they invent gunboat diplomacy. It's interesting to say it's the pacification of the, the local population when, so one, one thing, we were, we were listening to Terry Pratchett on the drive and um, one, we were listening to the Uberwald guards um, stories where Vimes goes into Uberwald, which is Pratchett's Germany. And what's interesting about it was um, the the Fifth Elephant. We should do a Pratchett episode sometime and talk through all of his his satire. But in one of the the, the you know sort of climaxes of the story, the point Vimes makes about you know how he's going to bring Pete. He's the Dirty Harry character, right? The Clint Eastwood character of like bringing the law mm -hmm. to the to the. Um, well, in this context, the, the Germany that's overrun by vampires and werewolves. And he makes the point that the 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 guns or the crossbows that the the, the characters in Uvarald have are made in Ankh-Morpork, which is the London Imperial calc. Uh, which is like, and I was sitting there listening to it. It's all, it's all about how, I mean, Pratchett is an English writer and he's valorizing in this story 
how Vimes is able to, by way of outwitting the werewolves and, and so forth and with a flare and stuff, make his mm. point that our power is in the fact that we made your guns. I'm like, well, woohoo! Mm. <laughs> how that's so topical, right? It's like every all of all of the American yes. and and you know, I guess European arms manufacturers, but especially the Europe, American arms manufacturers. That's apparently where our imperial power comes from: is selling arms to people. Okay, so we just don't sell them to England. Great. We made a lot of them for them. We made a lot of arms for them in Second World War, or at least used them mm-hmm. against the Germans for the sake of the English. Now that. Excuse me. <laughs> it's it, this is very strange though. It it seems counterintuitive to keeping an empire going to have an economy that runs on arming potential invaders of your own empire. You know, if you're kind of like this is me with grug brain on, right? <laughs> <laughs> if I was if I was trade, playing Age you know, of Empires, trade magically means if you buy it from us, you know you're going to depend on us to have it, rather than no, you're not going to turn it on us. What? Yeah, but if I sell like giant ammunition stockpiles to my entire neighborhood, you know, <laughs> you think it's not going to have an effect? How silly of you! They're going to be in the bunkers. Wait. What happens if they decide to? <laughs> I need a bunker. Like, that's when you need really big bunker. <laughs> Against the arms that you arm got everybody. rich off of selling to the rest of the world, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. We're, 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 we are no closer to finding a narrative than we were when we started with the memes. Here we go. This young koala oh, has a mental health problem because he has no more trees to climb. <laughs> <laughs> There's a continuity uh, in this. Okay. Kids are so dumb, yeah. they believe that some guy with a beard will give them stuff for free. Okay, I have a, a very oh, long scary. riff that we will get to one day on Karl Marx as a Christian heretic. But, you know, <laughs> communism is is obviously utopian vision. And its ma- main utopian claim is that all of the, all of the um, social relations will simply harmoniously work once you have enough machines to take care of everything. And, uh, you know, Marx's profit is very clearly there. It's scientific. It's, it's, it's all set up in particularly the ABC of communism that is published in, in the Soviet Union, um, 1918, 1918, uh, to be, be the sort of promise of perfect human life once it's all mechanized. It's, 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 it's quite an, an interchangeable, right? The, the, the problem with communism is it's going to destroy all of those family relations. It's going to turn every mother into a surrogate. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So we're back with the surrogacy. Yeah. It's just surrogacy via machine. Right. Exactly. Cause you're replacing human activity and human relationships with the machines. Right. Interesting. Which is really what the argument so really, that's what the argument is that uh, that nobody's making when when uh, when people are dissatisfied with what's going on in the culture and they're crying about communism and the influence of radical communists. It's not because they're not arguing. Uh, they're not necessarily arguing for machines to take over because a lot of them want to deindustrialize, but it's the breakdown of the familial relationships 
and overriding them with all of these kinds of mechanized arrangements. Which is exactly what communism set up, right? But yeah. the, the, the yeah. Santa Claus one is yeah. interesting because Santa Claus is also, uh, I mean, it comes, the character that he has um, from the 19th century in the United States because of the, indeed, commercialization of Christmas, right? So both of these are, they're two sides of the same capitalist produ capitalist industrial production coin hmm. the com communism was attractive because it seemed to be a pot it seemed to be uh, a way of solving all of the problems that in the industrialization created but it was still an industrial vision hmm. it's not a village vision they obviously destroy the kulaks and the village communities and so forth so it's another imperial vision We've had we've had too many family feuds at Christmas dinners, so no more Christmas dinners. It'll fix it. Yeah, basically. The problem isn't the relationships; it's the the family. Eliminate that, yes. and then it's all going yes. to be fine. Which is ultimately yeah. why I'm, I keep banging into stuff tonight. Um, is is <laughs> you know, sort of I ha I do actually have a problem with this because ultimately this claim of the invented family. Um, is Christian because Jesus mm. says that, right? He, you know, who's my family? Well, it's the one who does what I say. It's an idea family. Now that's going to make everybody uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, we go there on the Mosaic Ark, right? We give you no easy outs, just like Jesus does. No. Right. It's like, do you are really, really, really going to have to think through what all of these things mean? There's no like, oh, if we just put fill in the blank, everything will be OK. I mean, that's indeed what Jesus is, is pointing out. It's like saying it's not that easy. It's all you're constantly stuck in these choices. Yeah. Yep. But the, the long-term one being that, that sort of family feud of human relations, which everybody finds uncomfortable and, and, and icky. And so we go have them at Christmas and then run away. Mm. Do we have any more memes? Let's see what else do we have. Until we can't. Please remember your meme dealer this holiday season. They helped you get through this tragic year. <laughs> it's true <laughs> are we hoping that there is a grand theme in all of this oh, wait 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 one more uh um get in loser we're trapped in the belly of this horrible machine and the machine is bleeding to death <laughs> <laughs> which i think is an appropriate one yes. that we have for the ending it's like i you know yes where, how, where is, is there you know is i hear my crystal ball right is there the solution to get out of any of this i mean we do believe that it is christ but i think th this has been good to 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 sort of meme through some of the the what you keep trying oh we'll, we'll go back to the, the the beginning one which was you know deciding which propaganda fits my bias as if it's like a grid Yes. right and you can find out you can yes. plot yourself there and then you know where you are no it's get in loser we're trapped in the belly of this machine and the machine is bleeding to death mm -hmm. yeah 
<laughs> and now we have to navigate those relationships we don't want to. <laughs> Very much so. Mm. I mean, you can. Mm -hmm. I hope maybe our burbling through all of this, they'd say, my frustration with the way all of the political conversation goes, going back to the easy propaganda fits my bias problem, is it does it 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 doesn't slice that easily. It's like trying to slice your family arguments yes. into who is absolutely right and who is is being unreasonable. Mm. Um, and I mean, Chesterton get did get that right. He's saying, you know, it's like the best. The, he has a description of, like, what what would you do if you know you you were suddenly dropped down a chimney into a house and had to get along with the people that happened to be living there? Well, you did. You were born, <laughs> and yep. then you're suddenly in the in the midst of this ongoing dynamic that. Uh, no one in human history seems to have found a simple answer to. Mm. Mm. No, it's not simple. <laughs> it's getting more complicated now. We can have mail order. Mail, uh, <laughs> families via mail order. Well, that's slavery. Um, I mean, we they people have been doing yes. that too. Yes. That, that's it. So yes. the Roman family. So there's Jesus's, you know, understanding of him, you know, those who love our family. Then there's the Roman family, which is the household, which includes the slaves, right? So simply mm -hmm. buying your family is has has you know been an option. It's called slavery. <laughs> You want to buy the one you, mm. you want to prefer the you, to pick your household go to the market pick them out well yes there, there's a tradition okay <laughs> so we're we're looking at uh whether or not we want to buy buy our relationships or whether or not we want them to be voluntary and based on uh, a shared faith, yeah. I think that would be the point that we land after all of our memes. Hmm. Yeah. It's the, the the great tragedy of modernity is that it decided in the in the 18th century that it, everything would be better off rationalized and mechanized, mm. as opposed to what I actually work on, what I you know enjoy right now writing about in, in terms of marrying imagery, but the training of the soul. That's I mean that's where it all has to happen because it's in our soul mm. that all of this evil happens. And the machines intensify certain effects of our our souls, but the the, the the solution has to be in actually, you know, first in prayer and actually in training our souls. It's not going to be mechanizable. And and I think I think that's I one of the reasons I dislike the the political game so much because it's all 
it's all flat in the, the sense of this graph, right? And the idea is if we can just find the right, you know, sort of configuration of, of things in this flat design of forces, it will all, you know, fit work. And, and mm -hmm. of course, Christ knows that that's not, that's not quite the case. <laughs> we're, we're not machines. It's impossible to talk with you. You only give solutions. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I think we've dissected the problem in hopefully a mm -hmm. understandable way. I mean, this is think. Okay. So everybody who's stuck with us this far into the, into the conversation, including in the long conversation, one in the mosaic art, consider how, chaotic everything feels and you know it's like if you're trying to land on a straightforward solution between you know the relationship between the sexes the relationship between the peoples the political relationships the economic relationships the you know empire versus local um it's that complicated it really is that complicated it's not something that is going to be easily um you know turned into a a you know bl red versus blue political Hmm. choice that that's no it's more like a german fairy tale <laughs> it's much, indeed it's much more like a german fairy tale and all yeah. these complicated yeah. choices that you have to make when you're out there in the forest yeah 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 werewolves and vampires <laughs> oh good so we are on the right path it's myth and sort of fairy stories, and that's what we've been trying to show you all along. Very good. Yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't add any more than that. <laughs> all right, I'll go back to the loser. Right? It's like yes, the machine is bleeding to death, mm -hmm. but we are not machines. We are incarnate minds, as Tolkien mm -hmm. liked to put it, and that's the level of solution that we're going to have to be coming to, not trying to mechan mechan mechanically fix everything. Mm. I'm looking to see whether the chat, Casey and Mel are still there. Um, the peasants start to stand as a barrier between the aristocracy and its enemies, cannon fodder. Yes, typically. Getting the aristocracy <laughs> to care about the peasantry is, is, is not historically reliable. <laughs> yeah, the peasantry has to care about the peasantry. Well, oddly enough, the we need church it. We need actually cared about the peasantry in the Middle Ages. So, mm -hmm. you know, they, they did they did try to t talk to them and, and to help them, you know, pray and treat <laughs> their souls better. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, yet again, we don't have any predictions um, except for to say no. this is likely to be the dynamic of things that we're involved in, seeing as it's been the dynamic of history and um if you stick with us we will one help you understand that <laughs> oh. and, and two you know through our work right please buy our book which you can buy um through the work in in our poetry and our art and the storytelling unpack all of these relationships and dynamics to a point where people start being able better to see why the moral and um, psychological 
difficulties are what they are. We don't get out of this easily. We're mm. souls. That's that's the, the most complicated thing ever made in, in the universe. Just kind of hopeful thought. Yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> made in the image and likeness yeah, of God. Really, Do you expect yeah. it to be easy to fix? Please. <laughs> took the son of God to accomplish that. We will get better at getting you to this point and just saying that's why you need Christ and there is no way out without him. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so like, subscribe, join the chat in Unauthorized, um, check out our books and um, subscribe to our newsletter because we'll keep you updated and informed on various things, including when we're finally going to figure out how to ship all of these books to our backers, which we are figuring out. And it's not as easy as you think it is because none of the systems that are set up either in Kickstarter or something or this or that have that money collecting option (laughs) that we needed for the shipping. (laughs) Trust us, we are working on it. Yes. Yes, we are. Okay. Did I remember to say everything that time? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Good. Thank you for joining. (laughs) (laughs) Happy 2024. (laughs) Welcome aboard. And this ship isn't bleeding. This ship is alive. Night.